Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd. My co-host is Canucks insider Thomas Rance, who also covers the team for The Athletic. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. We are live from the mobile Kintec studio at Rogers Arena. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. 650! 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Man, you're uh, excited for that one. Were you making uh, it up? To, were you making it up to them after the Delaney's incident yesterday? <laughs> well, I was going to say you have to go when you go on Donnie and Dolly. You have to like Drop get a reference to the Dunbar Lumber text line in there. You I will. Gotta, you have to reciprocate. But I can't do it this week. I'm going to like sneak it in, yeah, in a yeah, few yeah, weeks. Yeah. Like we, we we owe them one. Now. You never you never want you never want your enemies to see you coming. <laughs> That's a, a wide receiver tweet right there. <laughs> Yeah, that is definitely a wide receiver tweet. <laughs> God is good. Love my teammates. Yeah. Rick and Donnie. That's a, the quarterback tweet. Uh, it is, uh, as I said, Canucks Talk 650 uh, on Sportsnet 650. You can get your thoughts in. Um, Drance just in the nick of time here after a lengthy Rick Tockett media session following the morning skate today. So uh, we'll tease that. We will, of course, hear from Rick Tockett later on in the show on a game day. But uh, let's start, as we like to do here in the first segment, with the whiteboard. All right, now, fellas. Hey, let's talk some, huh? Uh, it is the whiteboard for today, December 7th, your daily deep dive into what's up with the Canucks. And we'll start with the headlines, which is Canucks looking to respond against the Minnesota Wild tonight after a disappointing loss to the New Jersey Devils on home ice on Tuesday, this time with a conference opponent in town, one who you know, would like to at least consider themselves chasing the Canucks potentially for a playoff spot. Uh, and the Wild have won four in a row that's under a, new coach John That's Hines. a little harsh. What? That's a On little harsh. Wild. Yeah. Yeah, but no, the Wild are kind of in that position where the Canucks were a couple, like over yeah. the last couple of years, where it's like, yes, they're chasing, but it's more theoretical now. But you never know a result tonight, a result uh, on next weekend when they play, and it, it changes a lot. One thing they got right, though, is they fired their coach at like, Early enough. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you know, if the Canucks had given Bruce Boudreaux an extra five games of runway, yeah. you know? And so, look, I'm, I'm mostly just saying it's harsh, because and we'll get into it in the gambling odds. Like, Vegas basically handicaps these teams as equal, of equal quality, yeah. which I think is telling in terms of, you know, like, the Wild are a team that has underperformed their true talent level. The Canucks have overperformed their true talent level. But it's only been 26, 25 games, 24 for the Wild. There's a lot of runway left in which this team uh-huh. this team can overperform, the Canucks could underperform, and, and they end up meeting closer to the middle than you'd expect based on a snapshot of the standings today. And as you said, we'll talk about it in the gambling odds. We'll talk about it in the playoff forecast as well, with the model right. still giving, I think, considering the start, they had a fair bit of respect to the Minnesota Wild. And, I mean, you look at the roster, and, you know, we always like to joke about the Minnesota Wild being just an incredibly boring yeah, <laughs> NHL franchise. They kind of whole. haven't been for the last few for years. For the last few years. And, 
there's still it's mostly Kaprizov. There's still guys that that scare you on this mm. roster, starting with Kaprizov. But Matt Boldy has started to play a lot better after, or at least produce a lot better and after a slow start to his season. You know, Matt Zuccarello, the ageless one, having another incredible season uh, alongside Kirill Kaprizov. So this is like this is not you know Calgary where. You look at it and you're like, oh man, or even cr- the Kraken, where the roster is just kind of uninspiring. And you're like, ah, no one really scares me there. Like, hey, Kaprizov can kill you. Today is the day. First of all, glad I didn't sell my Edmonton stock. Yeah. Sad for you that you're holding Calgary Flame stock. Yeah, that that's sucks. a tough one. And my and today is the day my Seattle Kraken stock begins to rebound. Riker Evans back in the lineup. Good luck. Good down luck in with Seattle. That. No, I don't. I don't need it. By the way, I don't need it. I've got Riker Evans. The, comp- the company I referenced yesterday, the you remember from the '90s, Briex. The big, like, fraudulent Canadian gold company that was okay. like, we found gold in these mines. And everyone invested, and they're like, oh, never mind. We actually did it. <laughs> Briax. Briax. Do you remember the Briax scandal? Yeah, no, yeah, I do not. But, oh, wow. But that's cool. Anyways, um, so you're holding Briax stock in the no, form of the Absolutely, I am not. Anyway, the – what were we talking about? <laughs> I got too I excited no about Riker Evans. That's yeah. my problem. Um, uh, no, the Minnesota Wild. The Wild are – there, there's some interesting things to watch for. Like, watch for Brock Faber in transition. Matt Boldy's gotten going. He was yep. always going to get goal, going. I almost said Goldie. Um, he was always going to get going because he's really good. <laughs> and his shooting percentage was oh, yeah. absolutely through the floor. Boldy's got the sort of speed that can give Vancouver trouble and that gave Vancouver trouble against New Jersey and maybe worryingly gave them some trouble against Calgary, and, and no one can figure out exactly why. Uh, also, Kaprizov and Zuccarello, their two-man game, their area game, being complimented pretty well by Marco Rossi. Lovely yep. to see him doing well now. Um, that line has some Sedin-like chemistry quality going, and they've feasted against the Canucks in this matchup over the past few years. Like That line in particular has really given Vancouver defense fits. And as we've talked about, like one of this team's biggest issues, they're taking on water yep. in that top-of-the-lineup matchup. This is a day where that, like the, whether it's Miller or Hughes Hronik, whether it's Miller, Zadorov, Myers, however the Canucks decide to attack that line, like you can't bleed the way this team has been bleeding out in top, in best on best matchups and win games. That, that needs to stop now, especially because you've got Aho on Saturday, Barkov on Tuesday, Point on Thursday coming in over the course of the next week. You'd like to see this team build some momentum in the best-on-best matchup tonight. Uh, One area potentially uh, a strength for the Canucks in this matchup, Minnesota Wild, just 71% on the penalty kill. So, you know, the Canucks power play has been a little bit under the spotlight here and certainly under Kuzmenko's role, not clicking at the – the rate or the, uh, you know, in kind of the impressive form we saw earlier in the season, maybe a chance to get a little bit of an edge tonight against the Minnesota Wild because the penalty kill has been something that's really let them down. And the Wild have a lot of guys that will take some penalties, especially against a team like Vancouver that has, you know, your Garland and Pedersen class mm-hmm, mm-hmm. penalty drawing experts. Dakota Joshua emerging is a pretty effective one himself. Um, but Yoel Eriksson-Ak, Felino. Um, you know, uh, DeHaim, like up and down the lineup, there's some guys you can bait a little bit into, into uh, well, surrendering .25 of a goal. <laughs> <laughs> if only that's how it worked. Just put it up on the board, .25. Um, so that's the, uh, that's the look at the Wild. And just the other thing I want to mention in the headlines, and we'll get into this in more depth uh, when we do the lineup notes from today during the white uh, during the whiteboard, but uh, Andre Kuzmenko will be in the lineup, but starting on the fourth line today at morning skate. So 
Yeah, we'll we'll save it for the lineup. Yeah, but I've but got I just, some funny. I've got some funny notes on on how Morning Skate today played out. Yeah, we'll, that we'll get into that at some at some detail uh, during the whiteboard. But uh, quickly onto the the broadsheet and the rumor section of the whiteboard and some interesting developments here as it's, it relates to the Canucks. Is it a is it a bear market today? <laughs> yes, it is, is it a bear market on the uh, on the um, rumor mill? It is. So per Elliot Friedman in his written thirty two thoughts yesterday, teams are being invited to come watch Ethan Bear skate in Kelowna where he's been working out and and well and it seemed like the Canucks were the front runner but it turns out the bear market has become a bull market yes yeah so <laughs> have I been waiting to drop that all day yes I have as we've heard you know we, we've always known the Canucks aren't the only team interested obviously Friedman specifically referencing that the Leafs are interested and he also says and you know this is echoed by Rick Dollywall today on Donnie and Dolly as well that because of the Canucks cap situation other teams are just going to be able to offer Ethan Bear more, right? And then so then you get into it, like, how much does he value the familiarity of Vancouver? And he's been practicing here in, in Kelowna versus the potential financial opportunities elsewhere. And then, you know, the fit and all of that. And I, and I the other part I wanted to say was, uh, you know, direct quote from Rick Dolly while he says, one week ago, I thought the Canucks were the front runners to sign him. I don't get that feeling anymore. That's from Rick Dolly while. The thing to remember is Bear was insured at like a pretty high number pegged to his qualifying offer when he went and competed for the world. So most likely this guy is going to take a pay cut yeah. when he signs with an NHL team, which is rare, <laughs> exceedingly rare for a restricted free agent or free agent of any kind to be like, oh, man. <laughs> you know that's that's going to be we're, we'll have to tighten the belt here when I once I sign an NHL standard player yeah. contract. Um, you can understand why that would factor in. I, you know, I'd imagine for Bear and Jason Davidson, his representative, um, who works for Thunder Creek Hockey and is the Thunder Creek Hockey, um, the biggest consideration has to be playoff opportunity. Like, for, for a player like Bear, uh, given what the injury did and cost him this season, what what you're really looking to do is show that you can play, you can eat minutes when it counts, when the chips are down. Um, this is a guy who's gone through... You know, he, he went from Edmonton to Carolina and ended up being a healthy scratch for like 28 straight games, including an entire playoff run. Mm -hmm. um, familiarity counts, but how many games did Bear even play for Tockett? Right? Like, that, yeah. that's the other thing that, you know, I know there's this idea like, well, you can plug and play him. He fits the system. But the majority of Bear's games, because he was hurt uh, at, at times down the stretch, came under Bruce Boudreaux. Like, this is not, you know, slam dunk familiarity. That said, this team needs defenders. If you knew you were going to come in and play with Quinn, it's a no-brainer to rebuild your value. But I, I don't know that they do, right? Like, And then it's going to be an interesting sort of series of, of topics for Bear and his reps to work through here. And no surprise, right-handed defenseman who can skate is like a legitimate ace on puck retrievals um, and, and has experience playing top four minutes effectively at the NHL level. Yeah, that guy's going to have a lot of interest from teams. Yeah, and you know, a you lot just of look options. at the Leafs, obviously with John Klingberg out for the season, so he goes on LTI and, and gives space. them a little bit of flexibility. Uh, the Devils with Dougie Hamilton potentially being out until the playoffs, mm. right? It's a, it, and that's a, need, a combination of need and flexibility then all of a sudden. So I'd be worried about that one if I was Bear just because I thought, I mean, we didn't talk about it a lot because there were so many storylines coming out of that Devils game, but I thought Simone Nemich looked awesome. Mm-hmm. And like played a really contained, mature game, which impressed me for a young defenseman. There was no, not a moment in that game where he tried something reckless or tried something I didn't think he should or was out of position. Like he looked like a six-year NHL vet uh, playing against the Canucks at the age of 19. I mean, I, I was genuinely 
gobsmacked by how mature his performance was. He logged like 22 minutes. Played on the PK too. Yeah, uh, fairly no, significant amount, and, and and played heavy. Like he, I mean, I mean, he was the second overall pick. The rich get richer, huh? <laughs> Jeez. So that's the latest on Ethan Bear. Again, not that the Canucks are out, not that they're out of the running or anything like that. That it's not happening. But uh, again, per Rick Dollywell, he says one week ago I thought the Canucks were the front runners to sign him. I don't get that feeling anymore. Couple of other quick notes in the rumor broadsheet section here of the whiteboard. Uh, again, from Elliot Friedman's written 32 thoughts published last night, just a note on new Canucks defenseman Nikita Zadorov that one of the things that led to the breakdown uh, in contract negotiations or just not the, you know, no meeting of the minds in Calgary was Zadorov really wanted term on a potential extension, Calgary reluctant to do that. And obviously that's relevant that, you know, that's a priority for Zadorov now that he's a Vancouver Canuck. I also thought it was notably different than the approach we saw from a couple of other Dan Milstein clients last year mm. in Andre Kuzmenko uh, and Vlad Gavrikov as well, right, who both did the kind of two-year shorter-term deals to get themselves back on the market again more quickly. It sounds like there's a bit of a different uh, tack being taken here by Nikita Zadorov and Dan Milstein. Yeah, and what Gavrikov signed for one, right? Actually, you might be right about that, yeah. I think Gavrikov signed for one, so, like, truly – uh, a different scenario, uh, Kuzmenko, you know, Kuzmenko, like, one thing I've always thought about the Kuzmenko extension is, for example, if you think about Evgeny Dadanov. So Evgeny Dadanov was signed by a as an unrestricted free agent by the Florida Panthers. Gavrikov has another year in his he, deal, so, so it was a two-year two deal. Yeah. Um, but if you look at, like, the D Dadonov comp as relevant for Kuzmenko, he signed for three times four when he first came over to North America. Now, Kuzmenko, because of his age, had to sign an yep. ELC, a one-year ELC. But if you actually look at it, 5.5 plus 5.5 plus his ELC, it's basically three times four. I've always sort of wondered, um, you know, to, to what extent that shaped that outcome and, mm. and the timing of it, which, you know, in a lot of ways, given where the Vancouver was positioned, was hard to make sense of, um, you know, despite everyone's insistence that it was a slam dunk. And the overall sort of... Yeah, so the overall thing with Zadorov, like the thing that I'd bring up here is the best work that this front office has done, right? Whether it's Dakota Joshua, whether it's Ian Cole, whether it's Pew Suter, whether it's Teddy Bluger, and like we're, we're getting to a point where there's a long list of names. Mm -hmm. They've been able to find really good value in unrestricted free agency, right? They've been... And I'd throw Mikheyev in there. Like, Mikheyev's offensive contributions in his games in Vancouver, despite a devastating injury, that, like, he really hasn't played a single game unencumbered by yeah. that injury for the team, and yet he's still produced at a level that, you know, is well above what he managed in Toronto. So that, that to me, is, like, a really successful um, talent evaluation by this organization, e even though, you know, in terms of the luck, the injury luck that he's enjoyed since coming here, it's, like, bottom five percentile. They've crushed it, finding good value in unrestricted free agency. And if you've got a 26-year-old, 27-year-old defenseman, a defensive defenseman who wants a significant term, for example, you know, do you need to be really careful doing that when you are the team that, like, hey, we can find Ian Cole for one yeah. times three. Hey, we can find Carson Soucy, and there's term involved, but it's only three years, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I, I do think you need to – in some ways, their, their success – as like a pro scouting department is a reason to be more cautious in committing term and money because we've seen that they can turn cap space. They can turn flexibility into actual meaningful hockey value and do so in bulk. Um, you know, that would be sort of the one thing I'd bring up is like, how careful do you need to be given how 
effective you've been mining um, sort of the, the bargain bin and unrestricted free agency in sort of convincing yourself that this guy, right, who, who's like a very similar player type to two other players you found affordably and, mm-hmm. and on, on short-term low-risk deals in free agency, um, you know, how careful do you be about do you have to be about determining that that's your guy, the perfect fit, as opposed to being flexible and valuing that instead? Last note uh, here on the broadsheet section of the whiteboard, and this is from uh, Elliot Friedman's hit on the Jeff Merrick show today, talking about the Andre Kuzmenko situation here between Rick Tockett and, you know, the quote that stood out to me was from Elliot Friedman, you know, I don't see Vancouver throwing him away because of a rough few weeks, but if it doesn't get better, then we're going to have a problem. And we can use that to segue into the lineup section today and what we saw at morning skate. And there was a lot of speculation. Would Kuzmenko be a healthy scratch again? He will not be. He'll be in the lineup uh, skating with Neil Zaman and Phil DiGiuseppe, who draws back in as well, on the fourth line. So the rest of the forward group, Pedersen between McKayev and Lafferty. Hoaglander moves up to play in the top six with Miller and Besser. That continues over from the third period against the Devils. Bluger with Joshua and Garland remains the same, and then PDG Oman and Kuzmenko. And I think that reporting from Elliot Friedman, or that context from Elliot Friedman about if it goes worse or if it continues to be bad, then this could turn into a legitimate problem. Uh, And then you do start to wonder about trades and exits from the organization, things like that. You know, the two consecutive scratches, okay, that happens. I said this on the show yesterday. Look, that's, that's a part of the NHL sometimes. Things like that happen. If he had come back out of the lineup tonight, then you're like, I don't want to say crisis, but you're in a really, really rough spot, right? Like then you're yo-yoing back and forth between the press box and the lineup, and that's a really difficult position to be in. So I think this is a prudent move by Rick Tockett. Yes, moving him down the lineup, but still giving him a chance to be in the lineup to earn some more ice time to to show Tockett the things that he's looking well, for from under. Notably, Kuzmenko. staying on PP one, right? Like yep. staying on power play one is crucial here. And, and then we'll just have to track his usage. You know, if his fourth line usage matches what we've seen from Vancouver's fourth line, like if he ends the game with six minutes of five on five ice time, yeah, I, I still think we're going to have concerns no matter why that is. Like even if the Canucks are holding a narrow lead and his ice time goes down in the third period, I still think that's you know notable. I don't know if I'm going to ask Rick Tockett about it post game because I don't know how many. <laughs> I had like messages coming at me that were like. Um, that people were like, how often have you asked Rick Tockett about Andre Kuzmenko? I'm like, not that often. Like, it's not usually me. Well, I don't think he was saying that to you specifically. No, he, he wasn't. was saying it's just, I, I know, also, I know. I don't, he wasn't saying, you guys stop asking me But, about like, the it. Minnesota pool was like, what happened before that quote? <laughs> how, lo- like, that's like nothing. I didn't do anything. <laughs> anyway, um, point is, is uh, Kuzmenko's usage is definitely a story and definitely a story we're going to track. And by the way, I, I actually think this is an interesting challenge for Tockett and for this front office group. It's hard to struggle in Vancouver, mm. you know, and Tockett hasn't really managed a player who struggled in Vancouver because it's kind of been a snow day for his first 56 games or 52 games. Like everything's kind of gone Vancouver's way. Like You've seen good performances almost across the board, and and even the guys who've been snake bit, like Connor Garland, are playing well, and we all recognize it in terms of how they're controlling play. Uh, Kuzmenko's kind of the first real like struggle we've seen him have to manage in this market where everything's under a microscope, where no matter how tired you are of talking about it, guess what? We're going to talk about it every yep. day. So, you know, it, I, I'm curious to see sort of how that all plays out. One, one thing that was funny 
from uh, morning skate, JT Miller wasn't on the ice for the first 10 minutes, and, and Linus Carlson took line rushes in his place but wearing a bottom six jersey, which was a tip-off right away that – you know, there was no danger that Miller was like hurt or yeah. not going to play today. Turned out that Miller and, and Tockett were having a tactics conversation and Tockett, um, they lost track of time. So that's on the coach. I, you know, I'm sure he put his hand up like, hey, not on JT. <laughs> um, but because of that, right, Linus Carlson took the the center uh, line rushes and I thought, oh, you know, I'm not sure we do know that Kuzmenko's right. actually in we'll, the lineup. We'll see what this looks like when Miller gets on the ice. Right. Yeah. So then, and then ultimately uh, it was clear, and he kept his spot on PP1, mm-hmm. although he is starting sort of at that half wall where, you know, I, I do think that shines a microscope on his shooting. Like, he needs to shoot if he's going to be on the final. Well, and I thought it was really interesting watching them work on power play one. It seemed to be a lot of emphasis on specifically the play with him coming up towards the blue line, getting the puck from Hughes, and then trying to attack downhill and make plays from that position, whether it's by shooting or just attacking the center of the ice, which, as we've heard from Rick Tockett, is a real emphasis that they want from Andre Kuzmenko. So not only was he there, but they were they seemed to, at least uh, from my eyes, really drilling in on that specific part well, of the play. Why do you play. think? they want Miller at the net front right now I don't know it doesn't make sense to me I mean we know talk it really values guys net front presence, net front presence and like yeah. guys who can be really good at it which Miller can be well Miller is right so I think that might be part of it but we've also seen what Miller can do from where Andre Kuzmenko is <laughs> right now and it's really really good I think it's more valuable like that's that I it doesn't I, look, I'm not going to question what Rick Tockett's done with this power play. I think it's some of his best work, but I, I, you know, I wonder about it. I certainly do wonder about it. I miss seeing J.T. Miller do, you know, the foul mouth data modes act because that's, uh, you know, one of the things that makes this team worth watching on a regular basis. Casey DeSmith starting, yep. by the way, uh, his first start since the loss in San Jose on November 25th. Demko getting the day off. Um, Club's just basically looking to bounce back defensively, and at some point you did need to spell Demko. This game makes as much sense as any other, Mm -hmm. especially with the next three being against Carolina, Florida, Tampa Bay. Uh, No changes on the blue line. Hughes, Thronix, Zadorov, Myers, Cole, Juleson. Your pairings on to the playoff forecast. Uh, Canucks' chances didn't play last night, obviously, but down by 1% to 87% uh, per Dom Lucision's model at the Athletic, and I think that's reflected – uh, or that's a result of Edmonton absolutely crushing the Hurricanes 6-1. So Edmonton now up to a 74% chance to make the playoffs, uh, according that, to this model. That was a scary performance. Yeah. The the play that McDavid made on the 6-1 goal, did you see that? Yes. Oh, my God. I love that Zach Hyman scores a hat trick, <laughs> and all he can do is laugh and shake his head at, at McDavid's, like, back check – break up the Carolina Hurricanes breakout attempt before they even cross the blue line so that they never offside and then turn around and, and make a play like that. Ludicrous bullet train stuff from the best hockey playing human in the planet who appears to have hit his stride. Yeah. A scary thought for everyone There's in the a, Pacific. A, a, some interesting bit of symmetry there, too, because it was the the game on the road in Carolina, which was like one of their worst performances of the year. They absolutely got blitzed in that game, right? And now, you know, coaching change, all of a sudden they're feeling it a little bit, and they come back uh, and kind of symbolically <laughs> demolish the Canes on their uh, at their home rink. So they're up to a 74% chance to make the playoff. 96-point projection, Canucks at 100. So the fates of those two teams starting – to become more and more similar per the model. Uh, Nashville is still at 46%. Minnesota, tonight's opponent, at 47%. Uh, So, and again, when you think about the start that Minnesota had, 
yeah, they've won four in a row now, but I think 47% shows a fair degree of confidence in them from Dom's model, right? Like basically a coin flip to make the playoffs after that start. I think that reflects not just the fact that they've won a few in a row here, but that the model's pretty high on the underlying talent there in Minnesota. Yeah, and I think I think it should be, uh, especially this top line. And, and, you know, Brock Faber's awesome. You know, the model knows that Matt Boldy's not going to shoot 2% the rest yeah. of the way. Come on. So we'll, we'll sort of see how it plays out. In terms of the gambling odds, this line opened with Wild at even money to win. So plus 100 and the Canucks minus 125. Mm-hmm. You can now buy it at Wild minus 105, Canucks minus 115. So the Canucks favored but narrowly, basically a pick em. Uh, given given that neither of these teams like played last night, this isn't a back-to-back for either. There's no rest advantage for either team. That's a lot of respect for the Wild in, yep. in on on Vancouver on the Vancouver ice sheet, or a, a fair measure of disrespect for a Canucks team that Vegas does not see as a contender. Like Ve- Ve- Vegas looks at this Vancouver start through 26 games, looks at their. I, I assume they're still lead, leading the league in goal, goal differential, but it can't be by a lot. Yeah, um, and. Does uh, not LA plus thirty two, so LA is plus thirty one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> remember, we're only a week removed, by the way, from the f- playing for first in the Pacific thing. Mm-hmm. How ludicrous! How ludicrous! <laughs> anyway, no, the, the, no, 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 no. But you mean specifically the game against the Golden Knights? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not, only a week yeah. away from that, and it's like that meant nothing. God, so annoying. Anyway, the Vancouver Canucks are still leading, uh, second in the league in goal difference, and Vegas looks at this team like a playoff team. They don't look at them like a contender. And I think you can understand why based on what we've seen since this club cooled off, right? Like, And especially what we've seen from this club since they've really started to bump into games against some of the elite teams in the NHL, which the Wild are not, by the way. Um, Over-under set at six and a half. Uh, no, like a little bit more steam on the uh, under than the over you know, whatever the wild, the wild have been this new coach bump that they're under under John Hines so far, mm-hmm. mostly percentage driven. I don't think this team's had a material change. I think this is mostly a, a market correction or a regression to the mean that the wild are enjoying. Um, I could absolutely see this being a lower event game, certainly than what we saw against New Jersey. And for the Canucks, you better hope it is. You know, you better hope that this team's defensive form rebounds because I, I do think we've seen what two of their three worst defensive performances of the year. In this Vegas club's most Minnesota. recent, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I would say, um, sorry, I would say Calgary and and New Jersey. Oh, sorry, Vegas and New Jersey. Well, well, but uh, L.A. or sorry, the Vegas one was yeah. pretty bad. Well, that's I would the say other, the Vegas one. was. That's the other one. Yeah. <laughs> <what you> say. <laughs> okay. The okay. three bad defensive yeah. performances this year. I'd I'd say that's. Uh, well, so the, you'd say isn't that the last three games, or am I missing something here? Yeah, those are the last three okay. games. Okay, so the last three games, yeah. and then and then maybe you throw in Philly, where they probably should have mm. given up like seven goals if Demko hadn't been in prime Dominic Hasek uh, mode that particular evening. So yeah, you, you'd like to see this team find a way to contain a wild team that you know has played very well against them, especially that. Kaprizov-led top line. That is the whiteboard for today, December 7th, as the Canucks are going to take on the Minnesota Wild. We will take a break. Uh, We'll come back and hear from Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after this. More Canucks talk here on Sportsnet 650.